Studio Hockey is bringing you a podcast series ahead of the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Talking Tokyo will feature top players from all teams. We will match up talks between a player from each team who will play each other in the opening game in Tokyo. My name is Ernst Baart. Welcome to Talking Tokyo. July 24 is the day the Tokyo Games get underway. So until then, on the 24th of every month, we will present to you a new episode of Talking Tokyo to get you in the mood. Hockey in Tokyo starts on the 25th of July and one of the games of this opening day will be a certain Great Britain versus South Africa. That's why we ask Adam Dixon, the current GB captain, and Austin Smith, a former captain of South Africa, to join us in Talking Tokyo. Austin Smith is a defender, age 34, who made his debut for South Africa when he was just 18. After a couple of years at Reading in England, he now plays his club hockey for Den Bosch in the Dutch Hofklasse. He played three World Cups between 2010 and 2018, and Tokyo will be his third Olympic Games. Adam Dixon, aged 33, captains the GB squad. Originally from Beeston, he also played a year at Rotterdam in the Dutch Hofklasse before returning to Beeston in England. Adam too played three World Cups and Tokyo will be his second Olympic Games. First question, and I always start uh, like to start with with a why question because you're both in your thirties, uh, grown men. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, supposed to be grown men, maybe sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes. The question is, why do you play hockey? You're in your thirties. Haven't you got anything better to do with your life? Why do you play hockey? Um, Austin. Okay. <laughs> Austin first. Um, yeah, basically just because I think it's a fun, uh, it's a fun sport. I'm really, I've said to quite a lot of our guys in our team, I'm actually quite looking forward to the day that uh, I'm not playing hockey semi-professionally or for my country that I can just play hockey uh, for the fun with some mates on the weekend because yeah, those are probably still the best memories that I have of hockey. Why am I still playing uh, with the national side and uh, semi-professionally at a club level? Uh, because I still get a real kick out of testing myself uh, against the best in the world and playing alongside uh, your teammates in the in the green and gold. It still yeah, it still feels special, and I still feel nervous every time I go out on the field. So as long as I've got that feeling, I said to our coach that uh, I want to keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. Adam, um, yeah, very similar to the to the reasons that Austin's outlined, but I think for me one of the most important things is that sort of sense of belonging to a team. I think it's very easy, you know, as a junior to get into hockey and you just, you don't really know why you're there to begin with. You're just enjoying um, sort of learning and and growing as an athlete. But I think as you get a little bit older, you start to appreciate the, the moments away from the pitch and, you know, the really tough times on the pitch where together as a group of men or women you you're striving towards something I think there's nothing else really um, like it team sport is 
really, um, really powerful. And um, that's what's kept me going to the age of 33. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, but f- fully agree. But that, that, that would be the same if you were playing, well, you're both Anglo-Saxons, uh, rugby, cricket, whatever. It's a team sport. Why hockey? Um, hockey for me, well, I, I, I played a little bit of every sport growing up. I think that's really important. So football was really, really important to me. Cricket, not so much rugby being a, a little guy, but you know, I tried everything. But for me, hockey um, was in the family. My, um, my, my dad played. Um, so there was the obvious connection there. My brothers started playing. And um, I just thought there was the skill level required was just something that I wasn't finding in in other sports and it really it probably helped that I was better at hockey than the other sports and that's the reason why I continued but there was something about the skill level the the level of technical um skills that are required for the sport it just really um really struck a chord with me and yeah I, I'm seeing the game progress at a, at a scary rate Comp- you know the skills that are being um shown these days but yeah there's I just think hockey is a fast exciting skillful sport I'm wondering, Adam, if our, if our dads actually played against each other. My dad also played uh, in England. He grew up there. Oh, really? I was wondering uh, if they actually played against each other. That would yeah, that would be amazing. Probably, I don't think, or I hope my dad's not listening to this, but he didn't play at the best the best level. Um, but he was club, <laughs> club captain of our local local team. So. Yeah, then they could well have uh, ended up playing in. So maybe some, uh, some county yeah, stuff true. they could have played it's against a, one another. This hockey, hockey world is very small. Yeah. It it is. It's a small family. It's a small family. Uh, Austin, why why hockey for you? Why why not rugby, for instance? Um, I think the obvious answer is that I didn't ever go to a school that offered rugby. <laughs> um, I did play. I did play a lot of football up until I was about fifteen, and because of my late growth spurt, although it was never a huge growth spurt, <laughs> at age fifteen though I was absolutely tiny, and I was getting killed on the on the football field and hockey. It seemed a bit easier on the hockey field to maneuver myself around uh, being the smallest of the group so I think that probably played a part in it and then again a lot like Adam my whole family was uh, involved with hockey so felt like I kind of grew up watching my older brothers and sisters and my dad on the side of the hockey field so yeah it was just natural and then from that age all my friends were playing hockey Uh, our school was a, a good hockey school so that just seemed uh, that just seemed normal, really. Mm-hmm. What sport would you have played if hockey was not an option, and would you have been any good at that sport as well? Uh, I'd like to think I was a, a decent passer of the football. Pretty much how I play my hockey, <laughs> nothing flashy, <laughs> not really any uh, decent skills, just uh, trap and pass, and that's what I used to do on the football field. So <laughs> probably would have been uh, something like that, just like a little drop centre mid on the football field, passing the ball to the to the skillful guys up front. Poor skulls. <laughs> Yeah, there we are. <laughs> well, not not a bad one. Uh, not, not a bad one. one. Adam, you. Um, what what sport would have been for yours? Yeah, I think also would have been football. I I played very seriously until I was about fifteen years old. Um, you know, juggling every single evening of the week: hockey, football, hockey, football, cricket. Everything was being thrown in. Uh, but I played. Um, had a trial at Nottingham Forest Football Club. Um, which didn't work out, but that was sort of the level I was aspiring uh, to be at. Um, so yeah, I, I would have been very similar, just not flashy, not skillful, just you know appreciate spreading the ball around with good tempo and um, and chipping him with a goal every now and then. But yeah, football would have been my sport. 
<laughs> yeah. um, who, who has been the most influential for you guys to become the player that you are today? Adam. Oh, put me on the spot. Um, yep. <laughs> there, there are loads, to be honest. Um, I've already spoken about him. Probably my father. Um, he, Like I said, he was the guy who introduced me into the sport. Um, he dedicated a significant part and still does, you know, dedicate a significant part of his life to, to pursuing me and developing my career. Um, not that he, he's not a pushy father. He doesn't, he doesn't give me lots of advice, but he gives me the space to sort of find the, find the answers to my own questions. But the amount of time that he's given to travel around the country, driving me to training sessions, um, to national trainings um you know I, I could i could never repay that debt um so yeah there's always a little bit of me when we're out on the um out on the pitch before an international game singing the national anthem there's you know i, I sort of picture my my dad my family um mm-hmm. you know those sorts of things so it's quite nice to have that connection almost bringing tears to my eyes adam <laughs> <laughs> austin what's your most influential uh, person there uh, who brought yeah, you to just, hockey? Yeah, before I go on to the most influential person, a question for Adam. Has your dad, though, ever gone up to the coach and asked him if he was going to go back to the drawing board after a game? Oh, no, <laughs> I'd quite like to hear this story. But no, I don't think my, my dad's not one of those types. But <laughs> while, you, while you were saying that, you said your, your dad's not a not a pushy dad. And my, my dad isn't uh, pushy either. He's always he's just there and he's supportive. And my, my mum and dad are always at the games, which is great. But my dad sometimes feels like when there's a lull in the conversation that he should just say something. And it happened to be <laughs> when he was standing next to the coach after the recent Commonwealth Games in, uh, in Gold Coast. And uh, we'd just been thumped by New Zealand. And he said, I think that was our opening game. And he just, and he just turned to the coach and said, uh, well, uh, Mark, obviously uh, back to the drawing board then, hey? <laughs> and okay, he was, it was his first tournament and he was like, who the heck is this bloke uh, telling me I need to go back to the drawing board? So he replied with quite a serious answer, like, uh, no, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stick it out. You know, we've got a plan. It's a long-term plan. And my dad was like, oh, okay. That was, I was so grateful that our coach didn't. He brought it up in a team meeting but didn't say who it was. He said, yeah, well, someone uh, thought that we'd have to go back to the drawing board after today's result, you know, but we're going to stick at it. And I was, I was so grateful that he didn't mention my dad's oh, name. that's brilliant. <laughs> so luckily I got a text from my mom warning me that uh, something like this may be coming my way. <laughs> <laughs> that, that will always, always embarrass their sons. It's, yeah. it's, our, it's our job in life. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny moment to look back on now. Yeah. Um, but growing up, I had one clear, clear role model and someone who uh, has meant a lot to my hockey development. And uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, an Olympian, a hockey Olympian, as my primary school teacher in, yeah, in standard five. What's that? 12, like your last year of primary school, 12, 13 years old. Uh-huh. And he had just come back from the Atlanta Olympics. And I can still remember how wide open my eyes were when he was telling us stories yeah, and to be honest, probably mostly stories about getting all this free kit and everything in the village is free. And uh, <laughs> I think there was, as a as a kid, Adam, I'm sure you can agree that that's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty definitely. exciting as a kid. If you imagine unlimited free kit, I still get excited now when uh, when one of my sponsors sends me a send me a box of free stuff. So yeah, he was a a great role model, just the kind of person that he was, and uh, the time that he invested in us uh, as little junior players. 
And I thought, sure, from that day on, I thought, well, I want to, I want to be like uh, Mr. Murray Anderson or Mr. Anderson back then. I still feel it strange, feel strange calling him by his first name because he's still, you know, Mr. Anderson, my teacher. Uh, but yeah, hearing all those stories made me really long to to compete in Olympic Games and uh, experience some of those things that he spoke about. I'll definitely about. link some of my um, early experiences in hockey back to school. I think probably much like South Africa, England has a, a quite a strong um, school comp- like competitive structure. Um, and yeah, but. I had probably the opposite end of the spectrum, whereas Austin had an Olympian as a as a primary school hockey coach. I had a guy who just played a few times at university. But what he what he managed <laughs> he basically managed to take the school football team, and because he knew they were talented athletes, and he put a hockey stick in their hand, and then he added me as a, a youngster into that group, and actually within 12, 18 months we were competing against some of the best schools in the country. And these are, we were a small um, state school. Um, so, uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and we were playing. He made an impact. A huge impact. But he, what he managed to do, like his, his whole ethos was about, you know, enjoyment and bringing people together and having fun. Um, and what we could then achieve against, you know, we were the underdogs going against some of these big schools. And uh, yeah, we, we really embraced that. So it was, yeah, school school sport, I think, in England um, is, is huge for hockey. There's a lot of um, growth still available in that area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, challenges did you have to overcome to become the hockey player that you are today, Austin? Sure, the same challenges that we're facing now, <laughs> financial ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that has been... Uh, I was discussing that with my parents uh, two weeks ago when we were down in South Africa, actually. Yeah. We were discussing, like, I think it was probably for the best that we didn't ever keep a running a running total of <laughs> what we've uh, had to put in to kind of keep my hockey career alive. Fortunately, uh, with the hockey indie league uh, in the past few years and playing, playing in Europe, I've been able to take uh, those financial burdens uh, on myself. But certainly... Leading up to my debut and uh, my first few years of international hockey, that was a real, a real challenge. But yeah, getting out of South Africa for me was probably the most difficult thing that I had to do and the biggest challenge that I had to overcome. I was a bit of a, a bit of a mummy's boy, a family, <laughs> a family guy, and yeah, for me, moving overseas or first to England uh, where I played at Reading, that was that was really daunting and. Uh, I find that really, really overwhelming. And then coming to the Netherlands again was another big step that uh, that wasn't easy. But I think, yeah, going through those kind of challenges definitely tests you in a way that uh, nothing else can. Being on your own and having to work things out on your own and the pressure of of just getting through the day-to-day things uh, makes you a stronger person and ultimately that's I think that's helped me on the on the field as well to uh, yeah to go through those tough moments because yeah I'm sure Adam will agree that there's everyone goes through tough moments mm-hmm. and uh, it needs a strong character to to get through them. Yeah. Adam, what were your challenges? I definitely agree with Austin. You, know, um, you learn so much from challenges, mistakes, however they sort of come about in your life. That's where there's real growth. And I think for me, what's probably stood out over my career is the the times when you haven't been selected and you really feel that you uh, you deserve a spot on the team. So the obvious one for me was um, 2012 London Olympics. 
you know, mm-hmm. on home soil. Yeah. The whole nation's been going crazy about the Olympics for four years. It's on the TV every two seconds. Um, every advert on the in the commercials is is all about the Olympics. And you know, for for me, I was from 2009 until 2012. I was I was a firm fixture in that um, England and Great Britain team. There, there wasn't one tournament that I missed. And then mm-hmm. to find out. At the, the very last hurdle you know the yeah. the pinnacle of every wow. hockey player's career is the olympics is that's pretty obvious but, so for me this this pipe dream that i'd had for the last um 20 odd years um to see that sort of slowly disappearing away from me was well very quickly disappearing away from me was um was a tough one to take and there was no doubt a lot of soul searching that went on in those few weeks after selection and whilst the games were going on um as to yeah. but what did, what did you what did you do to overcome that well you, you fought your way back into the squad absolutely yeah i think that was the there was the sort of catastrophizing stage of of that process thinking oh gosh why am i doing this do i really want to be playing hockey anymore i think that's all quite natural but for me uh-huh. there was it was still was the goal um so there was no way when I started training again in the in at the end of 2012, I think there was a Champions Trophy that, you know, I was going to do absolutely everything day to day that would have made sure that I was on the plane to Rio. And, and that did happen. But there was, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it needed, there was real fire and, you know, a desire to, to make that work. But um, yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge I've, I've faced. Mm-hmm. Can you still remember the announcement? I'm interested to know how you yeah, guys well, do these announcements. It was um, on that particular occasion. We had a we had a phone call from the coach. Um, <laughs> there's so many ways, and I, th- I think it's it's a really sensitive part of of, of any team, and the, the dynamics can shift massively around selection and and the weeks leading up to it. But um, yeah, we decided that everybody would originally have a face to face meeting, and just because of how the I was living in Nottingham, which is sort of in the middle of England. And we were training at Bisham Abbey in the South. And um, we had a training camp that finished early. And so rather than staying for a face-to-face meeting, which was going to mean staying around Bisham for another four or five hours, I said to the coach, I'm going to go home. Just give me a call. Um, And You knew it was was coming or? um... Um, A little bit, a little bit. Um, I, but I wish I'd maybe made it a little bit harder for him, you know, have a face-to-face meeting and do it, do it the, the tough way. But um, yeah, that's a, that was certainly a lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. I can remember that moment well. That uh, not being selected and the coach phoning, Alston. Um, this is not the phone call that you're hoping for. Oh. And then immediately you almost don't even hear what Elsie says because yeah. now you're like, well. I'm not even really that interested in, in what the reason is right now. I'm just disappointed that I'm not selected. But yeah, I can remember those those phone calls. Those no, I can yeah. Now, Austin, for you, for you, you had you had quite a different challenge ahead of Rio when 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 you guys were qualified to play Rio, uh, basically according to the FIH, but uh, were not allowed by your own uh, country's Olympic uh, Association to go to Rio. Uh, how do you surmount such a challenge? Such such a adversity yeah that was a, a tricky moment um everyone in the in our squad and our team had an uneasy feeling that even when we had qualified there weren't really huge celebrations because we had heard that uh, our olympic association sascock were 
expecting us to have done better throughout the the two-year build-up. So we weren't hugely surprised, but we were we were of course incredibly disappointed. And I think I think the most frustrating part out of all of that was trying to explain to everyone else in the country and the world why we weren't <laughs> going. But then everyone's like, yeah, but you've qualified. Like, yeah, I know we have qualified, but our Olympic Association aren't letting us go uh, for this and this reason. And I think that was also tough to deal with when you don't know the exact reason. There were so many rumors that came out that no one was really exactly sure what the what the reason was. So when it came to qualifying for these uh, upcoming Tokyo Olympics, no one was really sure. Well, we don't really know what we did wrong the last yeah. time. So how are we going to make sure that we qualify and actually be allowed to go this time? Yeah. So there's a part of me even now, even though they have said formally that we're going and we've been put into the pools, <laughs> there's still a 1% that's a little bit nervous that somehow <laughs> things are going to change in the next few months. But I, I really hope that isn't the case. I hope we will still be playing against each other. Yeah, I'm yeah. um, just interested, as, as captain, how do you sort of manage the players? And how, I mean, that must be really tricky and quite a unique situation yeah that was tricky when i was captain but fortunately now that's uh that's tim, <laughs> tim drummond's uh responsibility no, but <laughs> as captain as captain leading up to rio yeah that was uh that was really tough and to see the number of players that actually just become so disheartened that they that they decided to hang the boots up and uh, and call it a day when i think a lot of those players could have uh could definitely have gone uh gone on and played at the, these upcoming Tokyo Olympics. So what, 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 that for me was really So what sad. did you make make you go through after this debacle? Um, I kind of decided that while I was still playing serious hockey in Europe, and I mean, I'm still enjoying playing with the national team, despite, despite all the financial implications and despite some of the nonsense that happens in the uh-huh. background, when I'm there on tour with the guys or at a training camp, and we're all giving it our all, like this, despite the fact that we're coming up against top opposition and win or lose. When we're with with our team, we have a great uh, a great dynamic within our team. We've got so many different backgrounds and so many different types of people. It's still a heck of a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. being there together still uh, compensates for all the all the tricky parts that come along with playing playing for our side yep, sometimes yep. okay guys you, you're both uh senior players uh let's put it nicely at the moment <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you>. uh, <laughs> um, but but so at, at this moment in your in, in your career it's it's also about about teaching the young guys entering in your team what's all about uh, how to prepare for 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 these kinds of events and stuff like that but what was the most important lesson you learned yourself as a younger athlete from another player so not from a coach not from your parents but from another player and why what what did you do with it adam uh, um okay i've got got a couple of things i think i know one thing that's maybe not really spoken about so much is um just the uh the detail that's required around um nutrition so eating and drinking right you know what that takes to be an athlete especially when you're um at an olympic games or you're in a heavy training phase making sure that you're you're fueling your body um in a way that's not going to mean that you're falling ill or you know or you're training below sub you know suboptimal level um so for me that was um 
there's a guy called Ali Ali Wilson, Alistair Wilson, who played a lot of times for England and Great Britain, retired after London Olympics, having been to Beijing and, and London. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, uh, as far as athletes go, he was probably one of the best guys, um, physically strong, you know, had a real engine on him as well. And I used to train with him day in, day out. So it wasn't necessarily he was he was telling me, do this, do that. He was showing me through just being a role model really, but he was also quite nice because he was one of my, one of my best friends. So it was, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't, uh, over the top. You must do this. It was just being a good role model, which I think, um, is sort of what I take. It's sort of my leadership style. Now it's not about screaming and shouting and demanding this and demanding that. But if I think if you, if you set the bar of expectation in your own behaviors and your own standards, that people then do follow. Now there are times when you need to give someone a bit of a kick up the ass, but um, <laughs> if you can, yeah, just be a good role model. I think um, that helps. Austin. Um, I think one of the things that I learned as a, as a younger player, which I never really understood from uh, playing at school, the, the style that we had at school was like warm up was no talking in the warm up in, in two rows, warming up, Everything was super serious in and around the hockey. And when I got to the national team, uh, a few players told me, no, Ozzy, you just need to, you just need to lighten up a little bit. And when you, uh, when you get on the field, then you can be a little bit more serious. But you need to have a bit more fun in and around hockey. And that was something that I learned. And then I'm trying to get across to the junior players now that uh, we're in an environment that, yeah, you're not being, you're not being paid to be there. You need to enjoy yourself uh, most of all but we have this the concept of the white line mentality that when you get on the field and you cross that uh, you cross that sideline or wherever you enter the field from uh, that's the time to really switch on and then be serious and focus on the hockey but once we get off again then we're going to have a good time together and that's something that uh, I really appreciate the fact that someone took the time to explain that to me I think that's probably kept me going for a lot longer than anything else because I think if I carried on at the serious rate that I was going, I probably would have burned out at age 25. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that's a good lesson for all juniors to be able to uh, be having a good time and enjoying this sport. But when you get on the field, that you really give it 100% concentration and, uh, and go Absolutely. for it. Absolutely. Um, why are you in your national team? Uh, how would you describe yourself as a player and what, what is your added value to the team? Uh, Austin. Well, pretty much just what I just said, actually. <laughs> Funny that that fits in well. That I think I'm now the also not being captain. I can make a little bit more time for other players. I'd like to think that uh, I've learned a few things over the years that I can give some guys little tips here and there about how to navigate, uh, how to navigate big tournaments, uh, how to get around uh, injuries, and uh, little tips on nutrition. Uh, and I feel like guys are happy to come and uh, come and ask me things. So I feel like I'm pretty approachable. But again, when I get on the field, I still sure I still really love beating the junior guys when mm-hmm. it comes to sprint testing or any kind of uh, fitness event. I still really like that. I really like to wind the guys up, especially at my club, the junior players. I, I promise them that I'll retire once <laughs> they can beat me at some of these little uh, fitness tests that we do. So yeah, I think. Uh, Someone who can uh, who can bring a little bit of extra experience, but someone can also show the guys that hey, we're hockey players and we're playing on national team. 
but we can still really enjoy the experience uh, when we're off the field. Adam, why, why has your coach selected you this time for Tokyo? Or will they select you for Tokyo? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I think you've matched me and Austin up quite well because there's there's loads of uh, loads of comparables between the two of us. I think, um, I think for me, it's just bringing an air of calm to any situation. If that's on the pitch or off the pitch, you give an on pitch example. You've been, I don't know, under under pressure for two or three minutes, defending lots in your in your circle, and I think playing in the middle of the pitch, whether it be in the midfield or or at the back, I can just sort of you know, with my body language, be calm and confident, not be panicked. And I think that spreads across the team. So I think that's one of the reasons that the coach um, likes having me in there. I think, um, yeah, also I think I just approachable to the young guys, the older guys, um, and just being, yeah, just enjoy being part of, part of the group. And um Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably a few more things other than that. I'm quite <laughs> modest. I don't like to don't like to blow my own trumpet. But um, yeah, they're the two things that stick out for me. Okay, uh, guys, how would you describe your opponent for this first game in uh, in Tokyo? So uh, uh, I'm talking about the team, not not you as individuals. But so for Austin, how would you describe Great Britain and and uh, who from the opponent would you want to have in your own team? Well, obviously, I'd love to have Adam, Adam in my team. I've just heard all these <laughs> wonderful things about him. And, uh, sounds like a great... Okay, great, 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 great. okay other, other than Adam. <laughs> I love Adam. Um, yeah, GB as a as a team. Uh, played quite a, GB quite a few times in uh, in the past. Not uh, not so many times in recent no, years, not, Adam, um, I don't think. I'm trying to think the last time that would be. Uh, yeah. yeah well. The last game I remember is, <laughs> is in London. Uh, and we played each other a few times uh, leading up to that. But uh, yeah, if I think of the GB team, I think of a team that's structurally uh, really well organized. A good team, uh, yeah, good team on the ball. They uh, they have good good connections with each other. No, like really flashy players. Just a team playing well and connecting uh, well with each other. And you know that they're going to be that they're going to be fit and and working hard. So that'll be a challenge to to overcome, I think, their, their structural side of things. Uh, as opposed to yeah, individual players, one of the players that I know pretty well, having played alongside him, is uh, Liam Liam Ansel, who's a, who's a nice player. Um, yeah, specific players, yeah, there'd be a lot, quite a few players in your team, Adam, who I'd, I'd like to play alongside a few who have uh, played alongside yeah. it, actually, surprisingly <laughs> enough. But... Uh, yeah, I don't think I think it'll be unfair to to pick anyone else specifically who uh, uh-huh. I would want to have uh, actually in our national team. You know, I don't think any of you guys, a few of our guys, have English passports. I don't do any of you guys have South African passports. Uh, would any of you even be eligible? Don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's that many people uh, hoping to be able to get a, a visa to get into <laughs> South Africa. Adam, what what what's your thing? What's your take on South Africa as a team? This could be interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's been a while since, um, like Austin said, that we've played each other. My um, experiences of playing against South Africa have always been, you know, they've been a tough, um, tough battles. And I think you always come across a side who's very well prepared, 
technically, tactically, uh, and physically, you know, I think when you boys are wearing those vests and you're flexing the muscles, there's something in that that's, I think, to the opposition <laughs> sometimes looks yeah. a bit daunting. Maybe not so we much. Start the, we may start sort of South African hacker before we, uh, before we play that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, um, I just think there's obviously that, there's that sort of background noise of the, the hardships that some, well, the whole team has had to come through on many occasions to to get to where they are. And I think you can really sense that sort of togetherness as a team. Um, and I think that's always dangerous. You see it so much in world hockey where there's, there's, a, there's a top team and there's just something, you know, behind the eyes of the opposition that just really mean that they want to go out and, and um, destroy the opposition. I think that's definitely a case for, for South African mm-hmm. hockey. Um, yeah, thinking about players, um, you know, there's been plenty of South Africans floating in and into the English English leagues over the years. Um, I don't know if he's going to be part of the group or not, but uh, Guys Brown, GB, would, would he be part of the Tokyo selection? Yeah, he was down uh, at the recent uh, series that we had. Okay, so, yeah, he's going to be... A... Yeah, who knows what's, uh, what the selection will hold. Yeah, uh, well, he, uh, yeah I've got my fingers crossed for him. I mean, another... Um, so he's, as well as yourself, he's an, a huge corner threat. I think he's shown over the last two or three seasons in England that, you know, he's he's a, he's a goal machine when it comes to penalty corners. So we'll be watching out for, for him and his <laughs> his selection. Um, um, yeah, there's the old Tim Drummond. I think he's been around for a long time and he's going to be captaining in that, that side. Um, I think some of the guys who have had a bit of the Hockey India League experience. I know Spooner. He's he's been around. Um, so yeah, there's 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 lots to to worry about in that side, and um, we're going to have to be have to be on our game game one at the at the Olympics mm-hmm. come July time. So yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a spicy uh, spicy fixture. Let's say that. Let's hope so. Let's hope so for the fans, huh? Yeah. Um, okay, guys, d- describe your road to Tokyo. So how do you make sure? that you will be at your best come July and August in Tokyo. Austin? Yeah, quite a tricky uh, lineup that we've got because we've got, um, we haven't got a whole lot planned. Obviously, we're not a central-based uh, training team, so we're not all in the same location. We've got a few guys scattered around Europe who uh-huh. are playing club hockey, which I think is still a good thing, even though we're not together, and these guys are playing at a high level. So that's uh, that's a pleasing aspect. As far as actual games together, we've just finished a recent training camp slash series against the USA down in South Africa. We are about to play against Germany, which uh, the, most of the European-based players won't be a part of. Mm-hmm. But that'll be a good test against uh, a top six nation to kind of see where we are at the moment. And then there's a big gap between March and June. I think the next time we get together will be June for either uh, just a training block in South Africa. Uh, there's discussions with another European nation to to play some games over here in Europe. Obviously, uh, that will be funding dependent. Mm-hmm. And then right in the lead up to the games, we're going to be based in uh, one of another province in uh, in Japan. I'm not sure exactly where we're going to be. But somewhere in uh, in Japan, and then we'll go straight from there into the into the village. So yeah, not a huge amount of games, which is a which is a shame. But I think given uh, the situation that we're in, it's a 
it's a solid uh, solid foundation. So we're really expecting a lot of players to do things on their own. There's going to be a lot of accountability. And uh, yeah, I think given our last little phase that we had, I think everyone's bought into that. And uh, yeah, I'm fairly confident that uh, we'll arrive on time uh, ready for ready for game one. Okay, Adam, yours will be a completely different story with with the central program at Bishop Abbey. Uh, yeah, what, what's your what's your road to Tokyo? Well, I think the the biggest difference between Great Britain and South Africa is going to be the the pro league fixtures um, and that yeah. opportunity that, that that provides us. So we're going to have um, you know a handful more games where you know it's it's not necessarily going to be all about winning but building momentum through to the summer. Um, so yeah, we're I sometimes take that for granted. We're very lucky that we're yeah we're a centralised and b that we are involved in the pro league. So yeah, we've we've got um a short period now where there's um not too much going on. We do a little bit of club hockey. We actually do have a trip to South Africa coming up um, next month. Although we can't get any games against any. So Austin, if you know if you know anyone in Stellenbosch, please let us know. Um, yeah, but we've. Obviously, the the heat and um, humidity in Tokyo is going to provide a very unique challenge. So, just getting away from freezing cold England and um, being in some warm weather is going to be really valuable. So, um, our recent trip to um, Australia and New Zealand, we actually spent a bit of time in Brisbane beforehand, which was um, more like or closer to the environment in Tokyo. Um, So, there's going to be another opportunity in South Africa to get warm weather. but yeah, it's just I think for me and 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 the leadership group, it's about you know building momentum, not necessarily worrying about um, the results per se. Because I think before Rio, we sort of we started playing some really good hockey, but we started playing our best hockey two weeks before the games begun, and then and then we didn't do so well. So it's about sort of yeah making sure we're moving in the right direction, but not getting carried away. Um, but it's certainly going to be a busy a busy few months. Um, ahead of us yeah yeah uh, but but being being in a, in a, a central program uh, it, it does mean that you have the opportunity to train a lot together yeah definitely and it's um it's definitely the strength of uh of our, our current program the i mean i live 10 minutes away from bisham abbey so the amount of time that i can spend um with the team and not having to worry about being stuck in traffic or traveling too much around the country is, is really important. So, and I'd say maybe 75, 80% of the team all live very close proximity to, to the training camp. So that's, um, that's a massive advantage. Um, but it, it can also, it can also be, um, a disadvantage if you're training too much together in the same environment, you know, it can become very stale, um, mm-hmm. And I think we learned some hard lessons off the back of the Rio cycle. The four years that we had there was very hard. You know, every single day was train as hard as you possibly can in the gym, on the pitch. And I think we just saw too many people lose or, you know, they lost sight of the reason why they're playing hockey. And that's 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 not good. So as, as captain and, you know, and the guys that are, are leading the the program you have to ensure that the the day-to-day environment is one that you know like austin was saying earlier about you know really enjoying enjoying what you're doing i think that is so important but also when you cross over that line that training is purposeful it is it is it does make an impact and it each day you can take a step in the right direction and i think 
with centralized full-time program, you can see those improvements on a day-to-day basis rather than waiting one or two weeks or a few months. You can see the you can see the improvements day by day. So that is that is huge. But it, it comes with the risk of doing too much too quickly can be can be disastrous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your guys' uh, team's ambitions for Tokyo? Uh, and besides that, what are your personal ambitions as well, Austin? Yeah, something that we haven't really spoken too much about yet um, because we still, I don't know, how how big is your squad at the moment, Adam? Have you still got a big squad? Is it being cut down? Yeah, we're 26, 7, 7, 27. Okay, yeah, we're still on uh, 40, 45, I think wow. we are. Wow. wow. So we haven't really cut it down to uh, specific goals yet, what we're looking to uh, achieve. Obviously, being the lowest ranked team, finishing anywhere even if we were able to win one game in our pool if we were to get to the quarterfinal stages would be would be incredible so yeah that's yeah i think something that we will end up discussing is how could we sneak our way into a quarterfinal and then yeah i don't know i feel like in a knockout game there's not not anything is possible but there's far more possible uh, possibilities rather in a in a knockout game than there is in a pool game for that's why we love perhaps, knockouts that's why we love <laughs> knockouts yeah perhaps you survive the first quarter and the opposition starts panicking and you have that one breakaway you know who, who doesn't love a, a good underdog story <laughs> is always my uh, philosophy uh so yeah those are the things that we're going to discuss a little bit closer to the tournaments Personally, um, I haven't quite decided if this is going to be my last uh, major event uh, with the team or not. Okay. Uh, obviously, depending on what the coach says, but yeah. I would love to go to to Tokyo and uh, and just have a great have a great tournament and experience another Olympic Games and to leave the field after the last game, knowing that uh, I was well prepared and I gave it my absolute all. And for everyone who's been uh, supporting us along the way, saying, well, look, he still deserved his place. He's, he, hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't gone past it yet. He's not too old and he's still adding value. And it looks like he uh, he really gave it his all. I'd love to have that, uh, have that feeling uh, in my heart after that final game. Adam? Um, yeah, something that we haven't also discussed in too much length. And I think over the last um, four years, we've done a lot of work on um you know it not all being about the end result because i think if you get caught up too much in thinking about right we must go we must win a gold medal you know there's a part of there's the realistic side to it but there's also the you can get carried away in the emotions of that and it takes away from your performances so i think learning lessons from rio where we were we really wanted to go and win a medal and we were quite um we were quite to the point about that made it quite obvious mm-hmm. i think it didn't do us any favors. So I think this time around we just, yeah, we just want to, we just want to make sure that we're, we're prepared and we go out and, and on a game by game basis, we just give it everything. You know, we've got a, a tough, a tough pool. Um, some of the top. Yeah, guys. we have got a tough pool. We've got Why? A very tough pool. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're looking at world, yeah, world champions, Belgium and the Dutch, Germany and, and South Africa, Canada, it's, you know, that's five very tough games. So just, to, I think, as a goal would be to make sure that we're in that um, knockout stage. Um, and I think because we're in a strong pool, those crossover games into pool A, we might get, you know, a slightly more favourable 
uh, route into um, the medal matches. So, yeah, we just want to be in that um, quarterfinal knockout stage. Yeah, and your personal ambitions? Um, personal ambitions, yeah, being one of the older guys, still not too sure what's going to be what life in hockey is going to look like after after the summer. Um, it could well be my, one of my last tournaments for for GB in England. So it's it's going to be a very special special moment. I think just really going, hopefully get selected for the games and going and just really appreciating the moment day by day um what a special time it is in in my life and um yeah just go and and, and give my all really um and you know you never know what can happen this is international hockey everybody can beat everybody sort of argentina proved that at, at uh-huh. rio being ranked seventh well, maybe we're ranked seventh at the moment so maybe there's a lucky, <laughs> lucky omen there who knows um but you know anything can happen at this tournament, especially with the heat and humidity as well. So I think it's going to be down. Uh, yeah. Just being prepared and, and, and enjoying it. Um, but yeah, this uh, is going to be a, a special summer for, for me and, um, and hopefully the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you guys could pick just one player from, from, from any team who will have a big impact on the game in Tokyo, who will it be and why Austin? Oh, I was hoping you'd ask Adam first. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me do you a favor, Adam. Ah, <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, yeah, like, obviously, f- through my experience of playing for many, many years now, um, I've I've played alongside and played against many world-class players, I think. But the the amount of time that I got to spend um, alongside Sevi at Rotterdam in 2017 from Holland Sevi Vanas yeah I think I just sort of I knew that he was a good player um, a very good player but then actually when I got to train alongside him I just realized how special he was his ability his change of pace you know over five meters is is quite incredible mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even sure if I tackled him once in training <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the 10 months that I was there. But um, I know what when he's really on his game and he's focused and he's, um, yeah, he's he's almost unplayable. So I think if if I could if I could steal him or try and find out whether he's got an English grandparent, <laughs> um, I'd love to have him in my team. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you could pick one from your own team. Who's going to have the most impact in Tokyo from your own team? Oh, great question. Um, oh, there's a few, but I think the one that really stands out for me at the moment, and um, he's been nominated for the Young World Player of the Year, is uh, Zach Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, at such a young age, to come in and have some of the performances that he's done so already um, is staggering, really. He just has no fear. And I, I think there's some sort of arrogance, but not a bad arrogance behind him that he just confidence. No matter who he's confidence, yeah. No matter who he's playing against, they could be, you know, they could have won a World Player of the Year award. He just wouldn't care. He just wants to go out and win those individual battles. But um, yeah, for me, I think if we manage to get him in in the right space so that he is confident come July and August for the Olympics, then. It could be really dangerous for us. Okay, Austin, did you have enough time to think about it now? 
Sorry, I'm just taking down notes about uh, <laughs> players that we need to really work on for the. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Um, player who I would love. Can I bring someone back from the past, Ernst? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, no problem. Okay, then I'm definitely going to put Jorun uh, uh, Dolme in my center mid position, and he's just going to dominate the game. And even when we're under pressure, we'll pass on the ball, he'll win a free hit. He'll just be transferring all day long. I can see it. He will fit so well on our team. Is it, is, is, isn't he playing on your position? Where would you play? <laughs> uh, I can't reveal yet where I'm going to be okay. playing, but I think I'm going to be playing at the back and Jeroen's going to be playing... What did you say uh, on the bench? <laughs> Sorry? What did you say on the bench? <laughs> yeah, in and around the bench. Probably remember like right back. I think a good, uh, good tactical uh, tip there. <laughs> um, yeah, someone like that I think would be great. And if it had to be a current player... Uh-huh. Then uh, a player that I've really loved, uh, loved watching the last few years. Just someone who I don't think any team can put under any sort of press. If teams try to cut him, he has a solution, and that's uh, the Belgian centre back uh, Otto van Dora. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, great, great player. And I've liked. Uh, I need to remember when I play against Bumendal not to not to get caught up in watching his actions and remember <laughs> what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. Really, uh, really, really good player on the ball, defensively, organization. Yeah. Okay. Top, top and player. from your own team, who will make a big impact in Tokyo? Well, one of our goalkeepers is going to have to make a really <laughs> big impact. Uh, I'm not sure who that goalkeeper is going to be, but whoever it is, he's uh, he's going to have to be in uh, in great form. We're going to need to flick, flick well for penalty corners, for the corners that we get, and we're going to have to uh, keep them out on the other side. So I think those are going to be two... Two key positions for whoever whoever fills those roles. Um, okay, guys. Before you know it, Tokyo will be over, and uh, I suppose you will return to club hockey. But uh, what are your plans, or what will you do once your playing days are really over, Adam? Um, well, this is a question that goes through any um, athlete's mind. You know, life after life after sport. Uh-huh. Um, there's so much. Um, help and advice and uh, support available these days. So actually, within GB Hockey, we have um, a lady called Emma Mitchell, who's it's her job to sort of look after life outside of hockey for the for the men and the women. So she does an amazing job, um, and she's been great for me. She's given me some advice, but I think my passion really really is hockey. So um, life after hockey is probably going to involve still being stood on the side of a hockey pitch. <laughs> albeit like just shouting instructions and trying to get the best out of the team. So I'm probably going to be a hockey coach. I've got some things going on that um, could be quite exciting over the next couple of years. So it's, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Austin. Well, you see, this is the benefit of our environment that we are Uh already prepared for life after hockey with, uh, with everyone's jobs (laughs) that they've got going. Um, I'm currently teaching three days a week at the, the international school in Eindhoven as a primary school teacher. So, yeah, I think there'll be a good chance that I may do some, something similar to Adam, that I may do uh, some coaching or just some training, something that I really, uh, really enjoy doing, but definitely carrying on with my teaching, um, depending what the mix is going to be between uh, teaching and coaching. I may yeah, change my change my schedule to full-time teaching but yeah it's something that I've really really enjoyed doing and actually something that I think has benefited me the last few years that I haven't only been concentrated mm-hmm. on hockey that I've had like almost like a release uh, after a weekend or after a big training 
training block that I can uh, get into the class and think about something else and socialize with uh, a different generation, something that uh, I'm very passionate about. So, yeah, I think something between uh, coaching and teaching, that's what, uh, that's what the future is. Would it be still like in Holland me. or would you go back to South Africa, do you think? Um, I'm not quite sure yet. I think it depends a little bit on what my uh, what my girlfriend uh, allows us to do. <laughs> I know your pain. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a discussion that we'll have for the moment. It's going to be uh, in the Netherlands. I did always have a dream of going back to South Africa and trying to make an influence on the on the teaching landscape there, like some of the teachers that I had in my life. Uh, but for the moment, it's going to be uh, it's going to be here in the Netherlands. Okay, guys. Final question. How much of your playing career and playing success is because of luck? And how much would you contribute to other factors like determination or special abilities or something like that? Austin. I think the one part I really think I was, uh, yeah, just really do think it was lucky that uh, my dad had, uh, my dad came from, uh, from England and that I had access to a European passport. Uh, for South Africans to get over to play in the English League or any of the other, yeah, now I can say the English League or the European <laughs> League, seeing that the, that you guys have left us, Adam. <laughs> or uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and to get over here to play in uh, in good leagues, uh, something which is hugely important for South African players, is extremely difficult without a European passport. So I really do think that that was a stroke of luck uh, for my side. Besides that bit of luck, I don't really believe in in too much luck because. Yeah, you don't often see freak results uh, in sport every now and again, but mostly it goes. The result goes to the to the players and to the teams that prepare well and put in all the hard work. So, yeah, every now and again you do get a stroke of luck, but on the on the average, mm -hmm. it's uh, the players and the teams that that work the okay, hardest. Okay, Adam, how much has luck played a role in your career? Um, yeah, it's very easy on the on face value of things to think that luck does play a, a big part um but the more you sort of unpick things scenarios moment key moments in your life you, the more you know you realize it, it's not luck it's something something's been put there um on purpose so i think yeah not a lot of luck i think being in the right place at the, at the right time has definitely come into play but i guess my my parents have had sort of maybe forged those situations for me like i'm thinking about selections for junior teams and things but if it wasn't for my parents all that hard work um that goes into that then um i wouldn't have had those opportunities but i think um yeah it's uh it's an easy word to throw around but i think if you're if you're really passionate and dedicated those behaviors um that add up towards excellence are, are not involved in luck at all so it's um something you sort of have to keep reminding yourself of and not get getting carried away with but um yeah i know i've not answered that very well i'm not gonna edit it it was, it was a good answer it was a good answer. you you won't you won't okay. be edited here <laughs> i promise okay okay guys uh, thanks very much for your time here i wish you all the best both uh, on your road to tokyo i do hope that you make the final selections and and uh, and have a, a wonderful event in Tokyo. So, best of luck to the both of you, and thanks for your time. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Cheers. Thanks, Cheers. thanks Adam. Cheers. Thanks, Adam.